Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now you are listening to into the comics cave with your host comic book heartthrob grant stoy Uh, hello, yes, this is Grant, uh, and we are back yet again. Uh, I've got another creator that I'm excited to talk to. Uh, you may know her work uh, in the Hans Vogel is Dead webcomic and assorted Kickstarters, which hopefully you have read because it's really good, and oh, you should put your eyes on it. Uh, I have Sierra Barnes with me. Hello, Sierra, how are you? Woo woo, I'm doing great, Grant. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Um, and I just want to ask, are you in a basement of some sort? No, I'm in the first story of my little duplex, but it looks like a basement because most of our light is natural light, but the sun has gone down. Oh, that's the best, though. Uh, overhead lighting, like the gross ones, it's worthless. Hate it. it is. Yeah, I can turn on a lamp and be slightly less toblin, but <laughs> it's... As, well, you know, as already discussed beforehand, this is all goblin mode all the time. Yeah, we maxed out the goblin here so you can't see me but my ears are especially pointed right now it's crazy i wanted well, to compliment you on that thanks yeah i put my little sharp teeth and everything in it's a big day <laughs> they do they do look especially uh like pointy as though they could rend the flesh off a of caribou it's it's exactly what I'm going for. You know, everyone, when they tell you that you want to dress for the job that you want, not the job you have. Goblin, number one with a Goblin, bullet. Goblin, number one. So, if my boss uh, is listening to this, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. Well, I like to imagine that secretly, the dark web, this is huge. And like, everyone's listening. But in reality, it's like maybe three people. I hope it's like the nice web. I don't want it to be like the dark web. I want it to be like the nice warm comics community who will then be like, wow, this was great. And then clap nicely. Or maybe uh, America Online's uh, children's setting. <laughs> well, maybe not kids. I, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sierra, I uh, have a burning question. I want to know, uh, as a goblin, where did you grow up? I, that's always a, like, question, like, well, mostly in Northern California. Um, oh. I was actually born in Texas and spent, like, a hot six months there, so don't ask me about it. I don't <laughs> remember. Um, according to family legend, my mom was so miserable that she took me and went to her family in Reno and was like, we're moving out of Texas. So um, we moved to California. We were in Southern California for a while and then moved up to Napa. So I grew up oh, around all the grapes. 
for for the six months you were in Texas, was that during like summer months? Uh, I was born in December, so no. Oh, it was still that bad. Yeah, it was it was rain and bugs. Again, I don't remember any of the I was a baby, so I didn't get a boat. I'm so disappointed that as a six month old you didn't recall. I know. I was busy thinking baby thoughts, you know, deep baby thoughts. Disappointing. About the environment and stuff. I don't know. So the Napa Valley is primarily known for wine. Uh I have to assume that you must have tried it earlier than you should have. Um, my family had a very lax view of alcohol, so, uh, it was definitely one of those things where, like, growing up, like, assorted relatives would, like, try and get me to try things before Mm -hmm. it definitely was legal, so alcohol wasn't, like, a cool, forbidden thing. Alcohol was, like, the thing, like, I have a very vivid memory of, like, running at my grandparents place and scraping my knee and my grandfather pulling out a bottle of vodka taking a swig and then pouring some over my knee oh that's hardcore (laughs) he's from lithuania so it's like a different vibe i guess but like yeah um napa is not like as glamorous it's it's basically just a small town that's really expensive now (laughs) like oh no really super agricultural if you get outside of the like touristy areas um so there wasn't really a lot to do for kids i was really into sports and 4-h so i raised animals and we were out in the county it's a lot of animal barf in my childhood for sure oh no like i i I have friends that did 4-h and the thing is like from the outside everyone wants to like laugh and poke fun and stuff but that's hard work dude (laughs) You learn a lot as a kid. Like, I have sort of a, like, mini rant about how, like, everyone should be involved in agriculture somehow in their life and just, like, understand how food comes from. Because the few years that I was raising, I raised market lambs and I raised angora goats. And uh, it was uh, an eye-opening experience for sure of just how much work an animal like that takes. Oh and, gosh, you know, yeah. they make you, like, we got to the county fair and showed our animals and you get up in the little outfit and stuff. And that's fun. But for most of the year, you know, you're up at six to feed them and sheep have to be fed at the same time every day. So you've got to be feeding them at six exactly and six exactly. And you got to take them for walks and, you know, they're animals so they get sick and one time I was I was like in middle school and my sheep was colicking where it it coughs so hard that its intestines come out of its butt basically oh my gosh uh and I was with the guy whose property we kept the sheep on because there were like a group of us that had sheep so we all had them together right right and you know I'm like should we call the vet like what should we do and he's like the vet's not going to get here in time you just got to put it back in so just oh my gosh. Put it back in. <laughs> you haven't lived until you're, you know, just reinserting sheep guts via anus. Yeah, it was uh, unpleasant. <laughs> That's the most I'm sorry, I feel like when you're thing. like, here's the weird kid stuff. I was like, here's the you you work on a farm and you learn all kinds of things. <laughs> well, that's that's like one of those things where everyone should take part in that and working in the food service. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Because you until you've, yeah. Until you've gotten your hands dirty in those two regards, like you'll treat everyone who handles food a lot nicer. Oh yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, it's one of those things where, like, especially with, with meat and, like, animal products, yeah. like, I think you should have an appreciation for the animal. And oh, how absolutely. Yeah. I had a, a buddy who used to live in uh, northern Michigan. Her family mm -hmm. owned a farm uh, with some cattle. Mm -hmm. And she said she's never eaten a steak or a burger unless she's known the cow's name. Is that something that resonates with you? No, I'm the exact opposite. <laughs> I, I like my mom thought that that was going to happen to me. She was like, "You're never going to eat lamb," and she was like, "I, you know, she didn't really like lamb to begin with." But she was like, "After I've, you know, spent all this time with this animal," and I was like, "No, I, I know what it ate. I know that it had a good life. Like, I would prefer to know the animal that I ate. Like, when I was, I lived in Austria for a short period of time uh, oh, after wow. I graduated college. I was on a Fulbright scholarship." And I oh yeah, in NBD. <laughs> it was a it was a teaching scholarship. There was like a whole situation. I had like applied for a different scholarship, and then the war in Ukraine started, and so I couldn't go on that scholarship. So it was like a whole situation after college. But I went to Austria, and I was in Upper Austria, which is uh, a super rural, um, and it was relevant for things that I studied, which is really unfortunate because I studied Nazis. So um, <laughs> I was like, oh great, I <laughs> live in the middle of the state with all of the concentration camps and Linz, Hitler's favorite city. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I, I, sorry, Upper Austria is a great state. I loved it. It's beautiful. <laughs> Lots of rolling hills, great hiking. Um, I feel the need to like defend it because all of the kids who went to Vienna were like, ooh, we're in Vienna and fancy. And all of us who got stuck out in the rural areas, they like looked down on. So Upper Austria life, Mufietlisch, living that. That thug upper Austrian life. Um, but we would like, there was like a little butcher shop that I would go to, and I would know like the fields where all the cows came from that That's I was wild. getting. And it was just a really nice little experience of taking my bags because you had to bring your bags everywhere and picking out my cuts and listening to all the other older Austrian ladies with the thickest dialect I've ever heard like gossip. And I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, but it's very serious business for <laughs> sure. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Now, when you said you did sports in 4-H when you were younger, did you show artistic sensibilities back then? Oh, yeah, for sure. I've been drawing, doing, like, since I can ever remember. My mom is a fine artist. Okay. Um, So it was, like... Not when you were a six-month-old lazy baby, though. No, when I was, like, well, okay, so when I was little, <laughs> I, uh, my mom did, like, illustrations for books, and um, oh, right apparently on. I would, one time I, my, I came very close to death uh, when my mom had a finished book illustration, and I grabbed a crayon and helped and colored all over the illustration, and this was back in the day when, like, you couldn't email things, you had to, like, put it in FedEx and, and ship it across the country to New York. Yeah. Um, and I came extremely close to death that day, and looking back on it, for sure, yeah, I would have thrown the baby out the window. Would have been sad. Oh, but... my gosh. <laughs> so, I've been doing this since I was a kid. <laughs> Did you keep that piece? I don't. I think we still have it somewhere. I don't know if she's done something with it. <laughs> Burned it in effigy. I, I mean, she did like paint over it, so the damage was 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 mitigated. But um, according to family legend, if you look in the right place, you can see the crayon marks. Oh my gosh, that's right. amazing! Mostly, it meant that I got to play with some really expensive colored pencils when I was a kid. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Now, when you were developing as an artist, uh, were were you leaning more towards traditional then, because your mom had all the the stuff? Um, I kind of drew with what was available. I th I always thought that digital art was like super cool. Um, but like obviously, back in the when I was younger, the equipment was pretty expensive. Yeah. Um, I didn't get my first tablet until undergrad. And then I was still kind of like drawing on the side, um, making comics on the side, and uh, just kind of piddling around. I mean, very self-taught. But once I got that tablet, I was like, heck yeah, I never have to scan anything again. Forget this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm out. And now I like... My uh, my grad I went to grad school and I had an inking professor Chris Kohler, represent, um, and he did his damnedest to get me to do traditional art and I really appreciate it because I learned a lot from him. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am very sad to say that I probably haven't done traditional art since uh, spring of twenty twenty. <laughs> oh my gosh! I do want to get back to it at some point, but it is um, it's just a lot easier to grab the iPad or the tablet and since all of my comic stuff is on that and that's everything with the deadline, you know, that's what yeah. you, that's what you use. Oh, that's wild. And when did you first start getting into comics? Oh man. Um, like reading them or just, yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, like since I was little, like I remember reading Tintin in, you know, sitting down in the library, like reading Tintin is one of like my earliest kid memories and, Garfield, I think, was one of them. Although I graduated out of Garfield really quickly, um, <laughs> so Tintin is having adventures. This cat is staying at home and eating. I mean, I like. I was into Garfield, and then a librarian saw me checking out. Like, they only had you know two or three Garfield books, and the librarian saw me checking them out like week after week. And she was like, "If you like comics, maybe you should try this other comic." And you know, then I had Tintin and Asterisk and Obelisk and. Uh, my dad was an army brat, so he grew up with with uh, Asterix and Obelix. Oh, that's um, cool. But he he saw them in German, so I thought they were German comics for the longest time because I only seen them in English and German. Uh, and I I was a little sad to find out that they were Belgian. No offense to the Bel a little offense to the Belgians, but <laughs> yeah, I I, your European opinions are very strong. I have. <laughs> this is what happens when you study history. You get spicy takes on everyone because all you have are receipts. Yeah, that's okay. Leading this is almost full circle back to Hans Vogel's dead. Like, when did this history bug just dig into you? Oh, like day one. I've always been interested in history and and dead people and stories. And there's this like sort of weird. My family is always was very big on family history and mythology. And there's yeah. you know a lot of overlap between. Things that are true, things that somebody told you were true, things that are not really true, but, you know, Auntie Jessie told you, and it's not like you're going to call her a liar, so, <laughs> you know, you're going to, like, you're, so, like, that sort of weird mixture of, like, folklore and history and living memory is always been part of my life and always fascinated me, um, and I thought that that was something sort of unique to my family like growing up um because I had a lot of friends who were like wow your family's weird I'm like yeah yeah but like 
growing up, I just sort of realized that that's how the entire world works. And yeah. that's how history works on a macro scale. So um, I, I think it's neat. It's all I want to make comics about. Yeah, I was going to say, when did the, like your interest in history and your interest in art start to overlap? Man, I remember trying to like make comics. Like, middle school was around the same time that I started like having limited like early high school limited internet access like my parents were very much like no we don't really want you online and having a presence but uh I learned that there were comics on the internet that you could get for free yeah it was all over um and I was reading oh man Gunner Krig Court which I'm still reading um I like loved that I was reading The Dreamer um i was like i just found these troves of comics that were about like weird history and mythology stuff and that wasn't like comics that i could find in the library like a lot of the library comics were superman and batman which was fine but it wasn't really for me but this whole world of of web comics i was i was hooked instantly and i was like if i can do that like if i could just like i remember very distinctly in high school going if i can just make a web comp that'll that'll be the moment that i've made it and high school was when i had the first idea for hans vogel and i had like at first into as soon as i had like the title and the idea for the comic i was like it's gonna be a web comic i'm gonna make it a web comic when did you start working on it then like, I, oh wow yeah that is crazy it's it's been through a lot of iterations. Uh, my first like idea for it, Hans was a, a Hessian soldier in the American Revolution, and he like gets separated from his unit and ends up getting picked up by a bunch of Pennsylvania Dutchmen. Oh wow! And he like kind of has to like make friends and stuff. I didn't get very far with that draft because frankly, it didn't have a lot of like emotional resonance. But I did have enough to reach out to a group of uh, reenactors who were reenacting Hessian like troops at the Battle of Trenton. And they were very nice and answered all my questions. So <laughs> shout out to you guys if you're still there. Um, <laughs> but I was, I was very earnest about it. But then I kind of like, I had the title and I had the sort of character of Hans and I just kind of let him sit um, for all of my undergrad career because I had to like percolate. And then when I graduated and went to Austria, that's when I was really like, okay, I really want to make this comic. I'm going to start asking people about stories. Um, I took a lot of notes. I took a lot of notes on dialect. took a lot of notes on traditional costumes. I went on hikes. took a lot of pictures. Uh, I made sure to stop at every war memorial in every town I went to and take pictures. Oh, cool. Very cool. I have a ton of World War One and Two because they're usually the same memorial photos. Too many, maybe. Yeah. Now, is Hans Vogel an actual historic person? So, there are actual historical people named Hans Vogel. Um, the character is not based off of any of them. Hans is a super common German name, which is why I chose it, because a lot of the fairy tale protagonists are named Hans. And Vogel means bird. Oh. Um, all of the names in Hans Vogel are puns. So, oh. uh, John Bird, the pilot, and there's a lot of like bird related visual puns in there. He spends 
all of the first volume covered in the assorted plane fluids that he crashed in. Uh, mm -hmm. And the German term for an unlucky person is a Peschvogel, which literally translates out to a bird covered in tar. Huh. So Hans is literally the Peschvogel, which I thought was really funny. And I'm sure there are like two other people in the world who <laughs> would get it and find it funny. But when you're drawing a 272 page graphic novel by yourself, you got to keep yourself entertained. That's, <laughs> you yeah. got to put these things in for you. Did you anticipate it was going to be this uh, work intensive? Oh, I thought it was going to be much longer. I had originally planned for like 10 volumes. I was like, I'm going to be doing this for the rest of my life because I'm insane. Uh, I have been talked down to three volumes, which I think is a much healthier, normal existence. Um, but I like, I had always seen it as a sort of Odyssey style, like guy goes on journey and encounters wild things. Cause that's a lot of like sort of the literature that inspired me. Um, again, someone has talked me down from it. I was like, <laughs> if you look through my notes over the years, I'm like, he visits a castle and he meets Nosferatu and there's a whole vampire arc. And there's like, da -da 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 -da. I have since taken out the vampire arc. Um, unfortunately but why there, there and i want you to speak for all webcomic creators around the globe why do you people insist on doing more work than you need to do because it's about telling a story and that's <laughs> what i love about webcomics versus like other kinds of comics is that other like print comics you have to do the whole comic and then you give it to a publisher and then you know they work their magic uh, but web comics you get to be telling it like the telling the process of telling the story is what's fun to me i love to be in the moment to have the audience reactions to like see that play hear people talking about it and when you do a web comic you're you know recently releasing one page at a time but that like schedule allows people to experience it and react in real time and that helps me to like be in the moment and feel like I'm telling it to a group of people. Having it be sort of print is different. I The whole process of telling the story is just done by myself and no one can see it except for like little snippets because, you know, an NDA or whatever. And then it, by the time that it's released, you know, it's like several years after you've actually finished writing it. So people will be like, oh, you know, on page whatever when this thing happens you know that was really cool and you have to go oh yeah 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 <laughs> yeah but like making a webcomic you got to be a little bit insane to to make a webcomic and i say that lovingly you know like you got to be invested in the story and you got to love doing it and by doing it i mean like physically drawing the pages and inking and coloring and you gotta at least love one part of that you don't have to love all of it <laughs> What was the worst day you ever had while crafting this webcomic? Like related to the webcomic? Like... Yeah, like the equivalent of young Sierra drawing all over her mother's uh, finished product. Oh man, product. there's been, been a few. I was, I had to reformat this damn comic so many times because, uh, well, you know, when I started it, I didn't think that I would ever be putting it to print. So I didn't do things like bleeds or a consistent page size. So like in the first 24 pages of chapter one, um, there were like at least eight pages that were a completely different size and DPI than the rest oh of the pages for no discernible reason. Um, 
So that was a fun thing to discover. Uh, I also, in chapter five, there's one page that I had finished uh, and I had drawn a bunch of extra stuff on it because I was intending to use that as like um, resources for other pages so and copy paste. Because there's a bunch of taxidermy animals on the wall and I was like, I'm not redrawing all these taxidermy animals. Absolutely not. You know, if I draw one stag head, it's going to be good enough for the rest of this chapter. Um, and some time in the midst of uh, like 2 a.m. working on a different page, copy paste, I flattened all the layers uh, and saved it <laughs> and then didn't realize it until like three days later. So I had to go back and redraw the entire thing. Um, again, just deeply, deeply... That was probably the worst moment, actually, because I reopened the file to copy paste something and I saw that I had done that. And I don't even remember, like, actually saving it because I thought that I was careful about not doing that. I just remember opening the, the program, looking at it, closing the program, standing up, walking around the kitchen, sitting back down, <laughs> opening the file again and staring at it for like 10 minutes while I contemplated quitting comics, <laughs> quitting art, <laughs> just there are a lot of other things that had happened. And I was just like, this is it. Like, I'm forget this, except I didn't say forget. You can say the word. I fucked. I was like, fuck this. I'm out. Like, I'm, I can't do this. This is this is. And then I, you know, several days later, ended up poning up and redrawing it. And yeah, it's never as bad as the initial meltdown. But like, oh, yeah. Boy, howdy. You know, you got to have a few melt. If you haven't had a meltdown drawing your comic, you know, the phrase bone weary comes to mind. Truly, truly bone weary. Uh, in, in German, you say totmüde, which is like it's just dead, dead tired, like dead exhausted. And that was, oh. that was where I was. I was. You get the like the dry eye from like not blinking for several mm -hmm. hours, and then you you know that that's uh, it's time to go to bed. <laughs> was there a particular day that you feel like you kicked that comics ass like three ways from Sunday? Oh, for sure. There's definitely several panels that even like several years down the road, I'm like, yeah, this this fucks severely. Actually, <laughs> um, this in chapter one, there's a dog fight. Um, and the the Spitfires are swooping out of nowhere to attack Hans and his and his squad. Um, and I it took me for fucking ever to draw those Spitfires because the wings are not exactly square; they're they're round, they're elliptical. Yeah, yeah. And there is a very specific like angle of the ellipsis that the wings have to be, and if they're not, they do not look like a plane. <laughs> they look like a messed up pancake. Uh, so it took me forever to get the wings right. But once I got the wings right and I found some good references, then it was just like I, it clicked and I was drawing those planes and I was like, hell yeah, dude, I'm going to do this forever. <laughs> I want to draw planes forever. And then I haven't drawn a Spitfire since chapter one, which was in 2015. <laughs> I think you should uh, do some for warm up exercises. I will not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to do like a fl another flashback chapter where he's fighting a Spitfire in like two years. And I'm going to, this process is going to start all over again. I'm going to have to, I'm going to cry. <laughs> <laughs> or worse, I'm going to have to draw like a Stuka or something and they're just shaped like pain. I. <laughs> What's the worst thing you've had to draw? Oh, like from a technical Spitfire. standpoint. 
probably established by fire for sure. Those things took me so long. Um, I hate drawing hands. Uh, that's that's but, a complaint. I just spent the last like two weeks drawing six pages from chapter six um, that like minor spoilers take place in an underground boxing ring. Oh dear. And I realized uh, when I told my agent, I was like, yeah, no, this is going to be a good pitch packet. It's got like action. It's got fighting. It's got like character development. There's a fun new character. It's great. Uh, and then I started drawing it and realized that it had it's all crowd scenes everyone's hands are in every shot there's like the weirdest poses in anatomy and they're boxers so everyone's half naked and there's no clothes that can hide my sins so <laughs> let's just dress some horses and bicycles and make it the absolute worst thing you've ever had to do i love drawing horses i'm i like that's that for me is like my happy place like i can draw <laughs> horses all day my like grad school thesis comic was um i like eastern european folklore history mythology very into all of that um and i have a character who's a cossack and i like and he has his horse with him also because he's a cossack mm -hmm. and everyone in my grad program was like oh my god you have to draw a horse that's so stupid and i was like no 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 you don't understand this is where i'm at my most powerful <laughs> <laughs> bring me the horses yes horses don't have hands they have hooves it's a friend <laughs> If you only embraced the power of the horse, then you could become unstoppable. But bicycles are, are hell, so and cars, not, nothing. Oh, that's so wild. It's funny that you mastered like an antiquated aircraft, but you're like, mm, cars. You gotta like, you gotta find a reason. Like I've I discovered early on in the comic practice that like the secret to learning to draw something is putting it in your comic. So like planes, I was like I was groaning and griping about drawing the planes while I was doing it. in 2016. If you look at like a record of my social media, it's just me bitching about planes. Once I figure like once you draw it for enough pages, then you can draw planes. Okay, freehand. I could probably freehand an okay plane right now. Don't ask me to do it. Um, but like you're really cutting me off at the knees here. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I also was like, I'm going to learn how to draw foxes because I have no idea how to draw foxes. So Reinica has greatly improved my fox drawing abilities. Um, I was going to say, it doesn't show, but like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you look at the rough passes that I did of, like, Reinica and you would be like, is this a dog? Like, what is happening? It's not good. But I got a lot better. And that's, you know, if you make it mandatory to the story, it turns out that you uh, that you have to draw it. So. There will be cars and nightclubs and a lot of things that I'm, it's going to be really cool after I've drawn it and when I'm good at drawing it, but right now I'm crying a little bit on the inside. This is funny because it's like, oh, my boss is making me draw this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a separation of your duties. God, my boss is such a bitch. She's making me draw all the stuff I don't want to. Yeah. Have you ever tried your hand at just like writing for someone else to draw or drawing someone else's script? Uh, I've done a few things. Uh, I've done some collaboration agreements. I find that I'm very stressed out, like within certain capacities of, of as long as I don't like care 
too much about the project, then it's okay. Like, I don't think I could let anyone else touch Hans Vogel. Like, at this point, I would be oh, like, yeah. okay, here's a 500-page document of background information that you would need to read and become passionate about if you want to work on this because it's my baby. Um, but I've been working with some other people um, for anthologies, and it really does uh, cut down a lot when you don't have to write and draw everything. <laughs> cool. <laughs> So you have to deal with the other person. Yeah, it, it turns out that like, draw boxing matches. Yeah, that's the writer Sierra is like, like getting to be the writer is great because then you can be as unhinged as you want. Like you can just be like, okay, this scene, I want ten thousand horses on bicycles fighting five thousand Spitfires with driving cars. Driving cars, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, and they're all holding very intricate machine guns. So <laughs> deal with it. Um, but drawing Sierra is is not as stoked about everything that writing Sierra comes up with. It's constant negotiation of fucking around and finding out. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the one meme that's like me like sewing, hell yeah, hell yeah, and then me reaping, what the fuck, what the fuck? <laughs> Hello there, my name is Don Cardenas, and I'm here to invite you to check out my podcast, the 2021 Grantee Award-winning Comics Coffee Medal, where I interview creatives in, around, and about the worlds of, you guessed it, Comics Coffee and Metal. I've already had such amazing guests on my show, including, but not limited to, Liana Kangas, Mike Norton, John O'Diener, Michael Conrad, Sophie Campbell, Guitar Max Carlisle, Andrew Baina, and of course, the word bros themselves, Bob and Kevin. Comics Coffee Metal is available on all the major podcast services, and you can find it directly at comicscoffeemetal.com. I hope to see you there. And now I return you to Into the Comics Cave with the amazing, awesome, talented, um, tall, handsome, uh, what else did I say? Definitely over six feet tall, smells good like lavender and motorcycle grease. Is that right? Motorcycle grease? All right. Grant Stoy. There, I said it. Get my money now. No, see, I, I got a, I got a question for you. Sure, shoot. So let's say that one day you are uh, just, you know, at at the at the museum as you are prone to do with your sure, giant notebook, uh, and you're taking copious notes, and then all of a sudden, like a, a genie pops out of say some old uniform sure the genie's like sierra hey so you're gonna be one of the most prolific if efficient creators around however every time you draw you're gonna be followed around by this little troll and every time you draw it gets incrementally bigger and you're the only one that can see this troll and it never talks to you but it breathes very heavily through its mouth. At what point are you going to retire from art? <laughs> How corporeal is the troll? To you, 100% tangible. Okay. Um, I don't love it. I don't think that would change my output. I think I would do the same amount of stories but it would stress me out very much. 
So eventually, like, your office will be just full of this unblinking, wide-eyed, mouth-breathing troll. That's why I do martial arts. Been preparing for this moment. (laughs) I mean, you gotta be a little crazy to do comics, right? I mean, like, you you gotta, people think are gonna think that you're strange for doing comics, regardless of whether or not you have a troll. I might as well get something out of that deal. And you know, I pros and cons, right? There's there's got to be a price for everything, and I'll just imagine I'll make another story about how the troll is a manifestation of my self confidence or something, and then one, I won't have to design a character, so that'll be easy. I'll constantly right. have a reference. Mm-hmm. That'll be great. Uh, and I'm assuming I don't have to pay this troll. Nope, just always so, following you. Yeah, so free model pros and cons i think i can make it work would it change anything if it could talk to you that depends on it's what it would say because i'm i don't like if it has absolutely rancid takes about things then obviously i don't i don't want to be followed around by that kind of troll let's say that it just uh makes that noise when people chew with their mouth open oh god okay no absolutely okay so then i'm like (laughs) Yeah, I I would retire from comics immediately. Sorry, that's it. That's my line. That's what does it. I like no. Sorry, I'd put that genie back in the uniform or whatever. Just feeling. <laughs> sorry, you've won. I'm I'm done. Sorry. Yeah. Do you feel good? Do you feel good about that? Does that make you feel good? I don't think the genie would feel very good. The genie would regret <laughs> the decisions yeah. that led it to this museum. I'd hope so. <laughs> Think about what you've done in your bratty old uniform. That stupid genie. I hate him. <laughs> so, we are at the part where I'm going to ask you five questions we ask every guest. Oh, oh. These are based off five questions from James Lipton's Inside the Actor Studio. Are you ready? I'm as ready as I'll ever be. Uh, I like this question when it comes to writer artists. And it is, what is your favorite sequential art sound effect? Oh, man. Yes. Okay. I have a few of them. Uh, I do my sound effects in German and English for Hans Vogel. So there are some good ones. Um, One is Kernch. K-R-N-C-H. Okay. As like a a punch or something breaking. Um, Yeah. Uh, the other one is hook, which is a cough, like some hook, hook. Oh, is that how Germans do their coughs? Yeah, <laughs> like if you're gasping for air and you're coughing, you're hook. Um, and uh, there's another good one that I was just looking at. Oh, I was I was looking up punching sound effects in German for this for this fight, um, and I got rum boom bam. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow that's how i finished the fight and that was just very fun uh, i spent probably about 30 minutes drawing going boom boom bomb under my <laughs> breath so it's a good time that's so i never thought about this is so stupid i've never thought about other like sound effects in other uh languages it's really fun uh, i recommend looking up like just one because it's it's fun to learn new things but two i find that it's 
a fun way to look at different sound effects and use different sort of phonetics that you might not otherwise use. Yeah. Like a gunshot in German says peng, P-E or an A with an umlaut and G. And now like ping instead of bang sounds like such an interest like ping sounds to me more like a like a ricochet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh dude, that's wild. That's a really good yeah. idea. That's a freebie. <laughs> well, thank you very much. There you go, yeah. Number two, uh, what is something you love about sequential art? I love everything about sequential art. I think it's the great I think that it's the greatest thing that you can do, whatever you want at the speed that you want. I love that you can, you, like as a reader, you can control the speed at which the comic is read. Um, I love as a creator that you can control everything that goes into it. Um, if I if I wanna draw an army of 5,000 Spitfires, I can do that. I don't have to have a budget or like CG. I can just draw that with my hands. Whoa. Yeah. And I, I don't, it's just such a unique way of storytelling that, you know, I, I don't know of any other kind of storytelling that you can have such an interesting juxtaposition of text and images. And one panel can be saying, you know, 500 different things just mm -hmm. by the relationship between the text and the images. And all of them can be conflicting. And I think that's neat. <laughs> And on the other side of that one, what is something about sequential art that you dislike? I don't like having a wrist that is made out of like corporeal body parts that mm -hmm. needs to be like taken care of. Um, having a, a body is a problem. Um, as far as like the actual media goes, I I think the the sort of the blessing and the curse of of sequential art or any sort of visual storytelling um, is the power of stereotypes and how they're oh, used. Gosh, yeah. Um, and you know, Will Eisner talks a lot about the 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 use of the stereotype, and it certainly is a a good tool to have. Um, but I think that it is also a tool that one has to be careful and responsible about. Mm -hmm. um, and I. I think everyone knows uh, creators who have not necessarily been as, as careful uh, and responsible with these tools as they maybe could have been. Um, it's very much a great power comes great responsibility. Absolutely. Situation. But that's, you know, that's hardly unique to sequential art. But um, I think that it's definitely sequential artists have a, have a history of, of struggling with. Yeah. And number four, what is your favorite curse word that's not a curse word? Curse word that's not a like something that you say. Like a substitute swear word. And I, I'm calling this right now. Don't just say uh, shit in German. <laughs> I, okay, so um, one of the rules that I made for myself with Hans Vogel is that Hans never swears. He's, if you like look, well, even at his most surprised, I don't think he says anything stronger than mist, which is just sort of like crud. Huh. Um, he's a he's a very straight laced little little lad. Um he's just coked out on meth, but he won't say <laughs> he won't say a bad word. Um but uh I think I don't know if this counts, but I've been saying fuckaroonies a lot. <laughs> well, that's legally fun. 
that's fine, but I don't think that legally it counts as the parameter. Um, Fiddlesticks is a classic, I guess. Oh, yeah. I would yeah. say that's an upper echelon uh, grandpa swear. Yeah, for sure. Gadzooks is also a good one. Underutilized in my humble oh, opinion. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, you're totally right. spot on. Yeah. I feel like anything with Gadzooks, final answer. Yeah, I like that. It's got some good hard consonants. It's, it's true. So, uh, bad news with number five. Uh-oh. You were trying to learn how to draw seahorses because you're like, land horses are great. Seahorses must be of the truth. It makes sense. Yeah. However, what you didn't anticipate is that the male seahorses give birth to the babies and that shocked you to your core and you had nine types of a heart attack and you died underwater. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. such a bummer. But... You then go to what we perceive to be heaven. Uh, when you're walking up to the pearly gate. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you go straight to hell. It's Well, it's real. <laughs> so when you get to heaven, you see this crotchety old man uh, sitting next to a drafting board, just going to town on a bunch of different bubbles. Uh, he's got a cigar and bushy eyebrows. And you realize it's Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby. If that's who I was going to say. What do you hope that he says to you? Literally anything. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, gosh. I don't know. I think it, like, it would be really everyone's goal to have him be like, I read your work and I liked it, I guess. But I mean, it's Jack Kirby, man. Like, I, I feel like I would just be sort of whiting out at that point anyway. Like, if mm -hmm. I got to go to some kind of afterlife and and meet like i have a laundry list of dead people i would like to talk to you know some nicer than others some of them i just be like meet me in the pit but <laughs> jack kirby is definitely one of the ones that i like i'd have to have like a two or three rounds of talking with them to avoid just sort of hearing ee yeah. in my head um but yeah i don't know it's like he's a he's a legend right he's like the what what would you do if he looked at you and he's like it had to be Germans, huh? I would be like, that's real. <laughs> but also I would be like, no Nazi like a dead Nazi, am I right? <laughs> I, I think he would think that was funny. I, I thought it's funny this whole time, but I'm also like, is that maybe gauche? I don't know. <laughs> uh, in this day and age, no. I think that is spot on and wonderful. Oh, man. Yeah, in this day and age. <laughs> cries real tears. It's fine. <laughs> Sierra, thank you so much for, for joining me tonight. Where can folks find you on the socials? Yeah, um, I'm on, I'm most active on Twitter, um, at Sierra Bravo Art, all one word, all lower caps. Um, I'm on Instagram, but mostly I just post pictures of my rabbit, uh, which are very cute. So, you know, if you want to check that out, it's at Sierra underscore Bravo underscore art. Um, I'm also on SierraBravoArt.com and lurking at a boba cafe near you probably well, near me probably yeah and where can folks find hans vogel is dead you can find hans vogel is dead uh on the internet at hans vogel is dead.com or you can find it through the cast iron books website where you can get yourself a physical copy just a big old book chunky <laughs>
perfect for hitting werewolves in the face. Excellent! <laughs> Just well, in case. Thank you so much for joining me. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for inviting me. This is great. 10 out of 10 experience. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. <laughs>